0: Welcome to the IMDb Journey Podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and this podcast is never on the hush-hush.
1: Ha <laughs> and I'm Dean Jeffrey, on the record, on the podcast, and not at all hush-hush.
0: Oh, is that the first time we've done the same little quip? It could be. <laughs> <laughs> not bad for our 50th breakdown, eh? Hey? Not bad at all. Is this the 50th? Yes. The old 5-0. Today we are breaking down our 50th breakdown, LA Confidential.
1: And we're doing a film that is set in the 50s. Wow, that is pretty scary. It's not scary at all. It's almost irrelevant.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dean, how are you, mate?
1: Good, good. It's been a good week for me. Has it? Yep, I played golf.
0: Wow, I was going to (laughs) say. It's been a while. It has been a while since Uh, you mentioned golf.
1: I got out there. I thought you were over and done with it. Oh, no, 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 no. Far from it. Got out there, it was fantastic, so... Yeah, it's been a good week. That good. pretty much sums up my entire week.
0: Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. How's your week? I had my kids' eighth birthday party with all the kids.
1: Sorry I couldn't make that. I was busy that yeah, day. Playing golf. Playing golf. <laughs> you bastard.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh.
0: That was good. She hired out a little disco room in one of the places around town all the, all the little eight-year-olds came and you know, danced up a storm.
1: Ran amok. That's right. No. Warm out and it was good. I never got a disco when I was eight. Too busy playing golf. Maybe if I had been playing golf at eight, I'd be okay be, at golf You wouldn't now. be podcasting
0: right now. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't be podcasting. I'm in the world tour. <laughs>
1: Anyway, what are we doing today, Hendo?
0: We're doing the usual stuff, mate. We're breaking down LA Confidential. We've got some reviews that the listeners have given us. We've got our question of the week, which is from patron Shane, of course. And it is, what is your most surprising death in film? Very timely for this movie. Why is that? Well, I don't want to spoil it yet. We're not in spoiler territory. (laughs) That is also our top five as usual. We're going to take a look at our Pod V Pod XXX draft results between yourself
1: and myself. Kinky. How did we not, I did not even realise a triple X you were going to put up. How did we not do something dirty? It was very restrained, I'll tell you. How? I saw it, I was like, ooh, what's, oh no, it's not dirty. No, nothing at all. (laughs) I don't know why I'd be surprised I was on the recording.
0: (laughs) I mean, how many porno trivia questions could we do? You'd you'd win them all, you'd get them all right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, you enjoyed that hermaphroditic porn too, Hendo. Oh
0: no, stop it. And then we're going to look at the next matches in our best 2000s film tournament. So, plenty to get into, Dean. So, let's not muck about anymore. Let's do it. Give me
1: the update. All right, Hendo. What's the update? Is the Irishman in yet? No. Got to wait for the Netflix release, okay? When's that?
0: 28th? I don't know, I, I stopped looking at release dates once I saw the film at the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I definitely kept looking because I want to watch it when it comes out.
0: I'm sure it'll be on your screen, front and centre, when you open your Netflix. But if we're taking a look at Joker Watch, hasn't moved, still the same spot, which is pretty good after another 30,000 votes. Wow. <gasps> Avengers Endgame has dropped three spots to 55. What's going on there? It's just, you know...
1: People suddenly realising how much greater DC is than Marvel.
0: Well, it would drop at least one more spot considering that Parasite is now at number 40 after another eight-spot jump.
1: Wow! When is this When is this going to end? What's it at now? 40. Yeah. I will say it won't crack 25. Are you willing to put a movie on that? Sure.
0: Oh, you heard it here. <laughs> I'll love it if it hits twenty five for a day and then drops and then starts to sink. Mm,
1: okay. Yep. No. If it hits twenty five, I watch a movie. If it doesn't, you watch a movie. Sounds good to me. What are we doing by end of the year, December thirty no, first? No, no time frame. Just if it hits it. No, there has to be, or else you'll never watch a movie. <laughs> exactly. I'll just Stupid. K- no.
0: Two years later. Wait, you can still do it.
1: December thirty first, which is about six weeks from now. So if it keeps up its current form, you're fine. Well, what do you know? We have an
0: impromptu DVD challenge. Let the games begin.
1: Challenge accepted. Ooh, it's on, Hendo. I'm feeling good for this one.
0: Hopefully, I do a little bit better than the last DVD challenge.
1: <laughs> That's very funny, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. <laughs> All right, before we get into LA Confidential, just a quick heads up. We will be spoiling it from the get-go. So, if you haven't had a chance to see it, I strongly recommend you stop listening. You go and watch it, and then you come back. Absolutely. Because it's awesome. Let's get into it. They were three cops who had nothing in common.
0: Freeze! Big V, what are you doing
1: here? Hey, you know me, I'm
0: keeping the streets safe, boys. One would do anything to get ahead. you truly prepared to be despised within a department? Yes, sir, I am. One had his own brand of justice. How's it gonna look in your report? It'll look like justice. That's what the man got. And
1: one loved
0: the spotlight.
1: What exactly do you do on the show, Jack? I teach Brett Chase how to walk and talk like a right. cop. Now, all of them are faced with solving one case. Don't move. I want confessions, Edmund. Oh, I'll break them, sir. These
0: people are all in the morgue, and someone has to pay for it. So, LA Confidential is a 1997 American crime film directed, produced, and co-written by Curtis Hanson. The screenplay was done by Hanson and Brian Helgeland. It's based on James Elroy's 1990 novel of the same name,
1: the third book in his LA Quartet series. Do you know what else James Elroy has written? Jackie Brown. Wow, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I was going to come with some stupid Black Canary trivia. (laughs) Really? Jackie Brown? That's awesome. How quickly you forget? Yeah, no, good for him. So it turns out we're both idiots. Yes. <laughs> I was talking about The Black Dahlia. And
0: Jackie Brown was the adapted screenplay from Rum Punch by Elmore Leonard. <laughs> so you, you definitely come to this podcast for the entertainment, not the uh, knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so this film does star Kevin Spacey, Peter. Russell
1: Crowe. Oh, <laughs> He's not a pedo, is he? He just Jeez, the little P-bomb drop. I'm just trying to remember what he was actually accused of. I don't think it was that, was it?
0: No, I don't think it was pedo.
1: Okay. Well, my heartfelt apology, Mr. Spacey. You fucking pedo.
0: <laughs> Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, James Cromwell, Kim Basinger, Danny DeVito. Basinger? Basinger? I'm pretty sure it's Basinger. Basinger. It's Basinger. It's Basinger, I know. Danny DeVito, David Strahan. Strathand? Strahan? What are
1: you doing?
0: <laughs> hand? Strathen. Straight hand? Straight
1: hand? Ron Rifkin. Yeah, that's right.
0: With music by Jerry Goldsmith, who had 18 Academy Award nominations and won one for Best Original Score for The Omen. Very nice. Cinematography by Dante Spinotti, who had two nominations for LA Confidential and The Insider. Also done the cinematography for Last of the Mohicans and Heat for a couple of films there.
1: Some good films.
0: What do you think of The Insider? I'm pretty sure I got you to watch that a couple of years ago. It was
1: fine. Yeah. I think three, maybe three and a half. Yeah, the just push. Middle of the road kind of yeah. film. Yeah. But like we said That was the one about cigarettes, wasn't it? Yeah, Russell the yeah. Al
0: Pacino was in that? Yeah, Michael Mann film.
1: Hmm. Yeah, maybe two and a half.
0: No, I think you liked it. Anyway, directed by Curtis Hanson, who directed Eight Mile as well. It's the only other film of his that would... Maybe you would know. Uh, what about The River Wild? Did you ever watch that? No. With Meryl Streep and Kevin Bacon? Ah. Oh. No. No. So Curtis Hansen and Brian Helgeland worked on the script together for two years. And in that time, Hansen turned down several directing gigs and Helgeland cranked out seven drafts for free. What
1: do you mean for free?
0: Like usually with drafts, you would get paid for some, like, for some sort of draft here, but he did them all for free.
1: Awfully kind of him.
0: It was. Let's look at casting here. Kim Basinger turned down the role of Lynn Gra- Bracken. Kevin, ba- Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin
1: Bacon turned down the role of Lynn Bracken.
0: <laughs> Kim Basinger turned down the role of Lynn Bracken three times before saying yes.
1: Why? I don't know. Maybe she didn't want to do it. Was she getting just offers left, right, and center that she had, no, I'm holding out for the good stuff, like. (whistles) Seriously, her filmography is. Rough. Sparse. There was Batman. That was good. Then there was LA Confidential. Yep, pretty much. Then she married Alec Baldwin. Yes, that's it. Is that her claim to fame? Maybe it's the, the maybe it's the Academy Award for it's this. Probably her talents in acting instead of marrying Alec Baldwin, Hendo, <laughs> you misogynist.
0: Oh fuck! All
1: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, she was Curtis Hanson's first and only choice for the role, so he was very persistent and very picky. Yes, he got he got her. Uh, I mean,
1: fair enough. If you if you're basing the whole character around a uh, fuck Veronica Lake lookalike, yep. You kind of need someone that looks like Veronica Lake. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. But other casting, the role of Bud White was actually offered to Michael Madsen.
1: Ugh. Had no, he... thank you. Yeah, they,
0: uh, yeah not, not the best choice there. Even uh, Mel Gibson was considered.
1: I don't mind that, to be honest. He can definitely play the, the tough guy role. Yeah. It's funny. I actually read that the character of Bud White was meant to be like a huge, like giant of a policeman, like mm. this massive, you know, brute So Russell Crowe apparently, because he's not a tall man at all, no, he like got a really small apartment and stayed there and like would feel big in it or some shit. It's really odd. So that when he would go on set, he'd have that I'm really big mentality. That's
0: that's Crowe's idea of method acting.
1: I know it's very weird.
0: But we did mention Russell Crowe. Curtis Hansen cast him after seeing him in Romper Stomper, found him repulsive and scary but captivating. Hmm. He did initially turn down the film, though, as he believed he couldn't convincingly portray such a tough character.
1: Which is odd because we know the real-life person, Russell Crowe, <laughs> is a very aggressive person. Maybe this movie changed him. Yeah, maybe someone forgot to time. all right, and... And cut! cut. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: still Bud White. He's still method acting. <laughs> Russell Crowe did recall that uh, writer James Elroy told him that Bud White doesn't drink, so Crowe didn't have a drink for the entire shoot, which he described as the most painful period of his life. Alco much? That's a bit of an over-exaggeration. Jesus! Surely he can
1: put the booze down for a little bit.
0: So before filming began, Curtis Hanson brought Russell Crowe and Guy Pearce to LA for two months to immerse themselves in the city and the time period.
1: Did he go back in time as well, did he?
0: Yeah, drove him back to the 50s. (laughs) He also bought them dialect coaches and introduced them to real-life cops. Guy Pierce actually didn't like the cop he rode around with, found him to be quite racist. He got more from the 1950s police training videos, which featured the kind of rigid stiffness that he was seeking to bring to his character.
1: Mm, Rigid stiffness joke. (laughs) Insert (laughs) Insert here.
0: Uh, this was released on the 19th of September in 1997 with a runtime of 138 minutes with a tagline of everything is suspect, everyone is for sale and nothing is what it seems.
1: Great tagline.
0: Not too long. nah
1: too short, really.
0: <laughs> it is very mysterious. rope in, doesn't it? Yeah nothing is what it seems like well, I got to see this. With a budget of roughly 35 million dollars it ended up grossing 65 million dollars in America and worldwide 126 million. So big success. Great success. But along with its great success, there was some more great success with its nine Academy Award nominations that year.
1: I guess it is a success to be nominated. Nine's a lot.
0: Even once, let alone nine. Mm.
1: Yeah, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction Set Decoration, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, and Best Music... Original dramatic score.
0: Do you know what it lost to for the Best Picture that year? Uh,
1: Titanic? Yes, very good. I mean, it would have lost a lot to Titanic then. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't lose Best Adapted Screenplay. No, it did not, thankfully, because, I mean, I often hear about this film that this is one of those novels that, you know, they never thought would be able to be turned into a film. So being able to actually take that source material and not just make it cohesive, but genius is impressive.
0: Definitely. And also won for Best Supporting Actress for Kim Basinger. It's
1: the only film she was ever nominated
0: for. She's not a shocker. Shade. But as always, let's take a look at the history of LA Confidential in the top 250. This debuted in the list on the 20th of August, 1998, at number 17. Wow. That is insane.
1: This movie must have been just incredibly well-received then.
0: It peaked at 13, went up a little bit And then, since then, there's just been a steady little line down to where it currently sits right now at number 118.
1: Which is still very respectable.
0: Absolutely. With an 8.2 over 503,000 ratings. Now, Dean, since it's your brother Shane's pick, well, first off, big thank you to awesome patron brother Shane for this pick. Yeah, great pick. Since it's your brother, you can do the plot summary.
1: As corruption grows in 1950s Los Angeles, three policemen, one straight-laced, one brutal, and one sleazy... Investigate a series of murders with their own brand of justice.
0: It could have been said, se- you could have said one straight laced, one brutal, one Kevin Spacey.
1: Mm, awkward.
0: Not as awkward as you call him a pedo. <laughs> is that awkward? For him it is. Anyway, let's get to LA Confidential. We get some Danny DeVito voice over here. Some Sid Hudgens. Yes.
1: I did like the opening, It was. I thought it was a great setup for. Uh, like you got all these images of LA, yeah. you got this perfect place, and then he he flips it. That's what they tell you, and he's got this seedy little laugh because he knows. Like he's one of the big players in mm-hmm. this town. Sid yeah. Hudgens, like you sort of you don't realize as you're going in, you think this journalist would be a big player. He's he's in everything. Oh,
0: he's got every little finger and every little toe and everywhere here.
1: But no, he talks about how they're constantly selling this image, and yeah, it works because this whole movie is selling this. You know, reverse image of Los Angeles. It's
0: really good. But it also brings up here about organized crime boss Mickey C and.
1: And his number one bodyguard, Johnny (laughs) Stumpinato.
0: Wow, you know this a lot. (laughs) But this does set up the general theme, like general plot of the story here. Like this is where it's gonna end up. But when I saw I've seen this, I think I've seen this twice before. Wow. Yeah. How many times have you seen it? Too many times, can't count. At least 10. Yeah. See, there's a lot of things I remember, and there's a lot of things I didn't, which is great. Like this is one of those films where oh, you so always watching it for the first time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's such a. Did you remember everything? Not everything, but you. Yeah, I remember the the, the, yeah. the parts. Yeah, the, well, we're in spoiler territory, I, I remember you know the end. I remember Spacey getting shot. Yeah.
1: I remember that Simon Baker was in it. <laughs> Simon Baker, Danny, his first uh, feature film debut movie yep. film role role his All first them. film role.
0: Yeah. But I completely forgot about this whole story about Mickey C and the organised crime and basically that's what they're trying to do. That's what Dudley is all about here. He's trying to take over the drug ring here. Yeah, yeah of course.
1: I forgot all about that. And this is true. Like, I didn't realise how much of this story was actually true, but having the, the cops beat up and threaten the lives of all these gangsters in, you know, the Victory Motel or another yeah. place like that, that happened. Yeah. Like, they were brutal with these guys, which, honestly, is not a bad thing. But the problem is the cops are then taking that position. They're yeah. not like, we don't want crime, fuck off. They're like, we don't want your crime, we want our crime.
0: Yeah. But I like how the voiceover transitions to Sid on the typewriter as he's as he's doing it. Do you, is that weird that he's saying it out loud as he's typing? Is that a movie thing? <laughs> I don't sit there typing my notes going, and this is when this
1: happens. <laughs> I mean, I never thought of it, but yeah, now that you say it, it is. But no, we get on the QT,
0: on the hush-hush. Very seedy magazine, but it's how it is. Like like you said, he's in every little piece of the puzzle here. He is that slimy guy, so it would make sense for him to have a slimy magazine.
1: Yeah, for sure. But now we're introduced to Bud White as Russell Crowe. What did you think of Russell Crowe in this film? I think he's good. I think he's really good. Yeah, I think he's better than good. I think he's fantastic.
0: I think he's really, really good. Yeah, he's,
1: I think... In particular, the scene where he confronts, um, not Veronica Lake, Lynn, about uh, sleeping with Ed. Oh, in the rain? Oh, he's so good there.
0: Yeah, just his reaction there, he's pacing back and forth, like he's yeah. hes restraint, but he yeah, mm. he's really good there. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, I
1: think he's great in this. But we see pretty early on, he's, he's very anti-domestic violence. Yes. Which is great, you know. Yeah which of course. I think it's actually really important that we do get something that is admirable from him because we're going to see for a lot of this film, him being just the muscle who does illegal things all the time.
0: But this also sets up his character as well. Like he's, this is his thing. He doesn't like domestic violence. He doesn't like men beating up on women. So that when it happens later on that he does that and he has this shock realization and you get that story about Yeah, that story mom. as well. Yep. Like this is all great character development. Like, three dimensional arcs here that they go through these sorts of redemptions like i this whole section here introducing bud introducing ed introducing jack you get these three characters set up perfect right mm. at the start yep and you get all their character quirks all their traits and then you see
1: them go through yeah, you know these people straight away
0: absolutely this 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 is a perfect start to this film
1: i was waiting for the hyperbole
0: is it not a perfect start i'm not saying what, it's what, what wrong what could be different
1: what could be different nothing what could be it's perfect
0: there, there you go there you go
1: but uh, Bud's got some good lines here too. He, you know, the guy comes out of the house when he pulls all the lights off. He's like, who the hell are you? Ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like He talks very quietly. It's just that he doesn't need to be big and yelly all the time because yeah. He, yeah, he knows he can handle himself. It's really good. How yelly is he in this film? I don't know if you're saying he is or he isn't.
0: I don't think he is.
1: Oh, there's the bit where he fights Ed. He's very yelly. I think he's very
0: growly. Yeah? Very okay. <laughs>
1: Why don't you dance with a man for a change? I love it. It reminds me of, like, Jim Carrey as Hank in Me, Myself, oh, and Irene. <laughs> that
0: is such, such an awesome comparison.
1: A <laughs> hey, ringworm. a hey, ringworm. Man, I used to know all of that. You're going to put it in that but You're going to make me stick out of your filthy, bitty hole oh.
0: <laughs> But the next one is Jack Vincennes. Kevin Spacey, not 90s. Kevin Spacey
1: what an incredible four films he was in seven that is unreal American Beauty Usual Suspects and this would you even add in Glengarry Glen Ross was that 90s for him? yep it?
0: that was all- before all these
1: I mean I don't think Glengarry Glen Ross is in the same echelon I'm of not- those four those are all just amazing 90s films
0: he was a force back then. And I don't want to go too much on I th- I think, I think we after, should after the fact. But I think we've said this before. Like, you've you got to... Separate it. Yeah, you got to separate the, the art from the artist sometimes. And, yeah, he he's a piece of shit in real life. But you can't deny the acting talent of Kevin Spacey, especially in the 90s.
1: Mm. No, I, I absolutely
0: agree. But you can see here, Jack, he loves the spotlight. I love the white jacket. It's a great look. Yep, exactly. You you
1: contrast it to Bud, who's in like the grey sort of the brown. He's in the brown cotton jacket. Yeah,
0: I don't know why I said grey. It's and then it's you contrast brown. that
1: with Ed, who's either in like and the, proper the uniform or the like the blue suit. Like yeah. you know, he's very prim and proper, as you say. So I love that these characters are almost equal main characters, and they're all so different and easily identifiable.
0: But I love how that at certain points throughout the film, they attract the traits of everyone else as well. Like they realize some of the things they're doing is wrong. Like you look at you look at Ed, straight shooter, prim and proper, but he starts to adapt and he becomes a bit of bud. You look at Jack, who is all about himself. He's very selfish. But then after you see Simon Baker gets killed, he becomes sympathetic and he starts to do some detective work. He becomes a bit of Ed. Mm. Who'd you miss? Bud. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, what does Bud become? I mean, there's a scene where Bud talks about how he's not smart enough to, he doesn't think he's smart enough to do detective work. Yeah, And he gets convinced that, you know, you have done, you found, like when he's talking to Veronica, you found me, you found... Patchett. Patchett. So he gets a bit of Ed there. He does a bit of detective work. Yeah. So they all. Well,
1: have- Lynn, in fairness, Lynn gets a bit of Ed as well. She gets a bit of Bud, too.
0: Yeah. A lot of Bud.
1: A lot of Ed. You know who else gets Bud? Simon Baker, which is my segue into the storyline that's being introduced here with Simon Baker. Matt Reynolds bought reefer from a friend. Does
0: Simon Baker get Bud? Well, reefer, yeah. Oh, Bud. Oh, man, that took me a long oh, time. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I was still thinking about <laughs> Russell Crowe. I'm like, when did they have a scene together?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, drugs. Ah, the drugs. the drugs, of The drugs. Yes. Man, <laughs> Sid, Sid has got this... Uh, down pat this. Let's set people up, and then I'll tell the cops about it, and then I'll you know photograph them. It's, it's it's all it's
0: all perfect. Like yeah, I I give you the money, I get the the photos, I get the article, you get the spotlight. It works out perfect. Hmm. It's they've got a good little system going on here.
1: And like the amount of money, like you see later, uh, Jack puts a fifty on the drink that Sid gave him for this tip off or his help, whatever. That's like yeah, you know, I read that that's close to $500 today. Yeah. Like it's it's not a small amount of money and if he's getting this on the regular.
0: Like even when he mentions like it's I'll give you I'll give you usual 50 and I'm like 50 grand. Holy shit. It's like I know, it's actually $50 back in the 50s. Yeah.
1: But no, I I, I love the intro to Ed Exley as well as Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce so good in this film. He is.
0: You know, what's his first obviously his first Hollywood role goes on to do
1: Memento. Memento. Animal Kingdom, The Proposition. That's back in Australia. Both of those. Well, he is Australian. What do you want me not say them? What other American films did he do? Iron Man Three. Can you think of any? God, no wonder we retired the "Don't I Know You" game. Hendo was so bad at it.
0: Well, I think we probably named all the ones. Oh, there.
1: Yes, we collectively as a group have <laughs> named them all. <laughs> oh shit. But no, I like the way that we're introduced to Ed as being interviewed by this you know, newspaper. Yeah. And we do learn a, a fair bit about him straight away, because we get Dudley, played by James Cromwell, who would have just come off Babe, by the way.
0: Yeah. If you're watching that in chronological order, you, you would never expect what was happening.
1: Big surprise. But no, he says, I, like, I, I, I love James Cromwell in this film. Like, I really think he is. No one ever talks about his performance, and maybe it's not the performance, because he's He's got a lot of that soft, gentle, intimidating nature to him anyway, but he's got some great lines like, Edmund,
0: you're a political animal. You have the eye for human weakness, but not the
1: stomach. I think it's a really good line because it does contrast with Bud, who has the stomach. But maybe not the eye for the political side of it.
0: Yeah, even the conversation he has here when Ed is talking about he wants to be he wants to be a detective.
1: Would you be willing to beat a confession out of a suspect you knew to be guilty?
0: He's talking no. about all the stuff that he will eventually do. <laughs> yeah, which is great. Are you willing to shoot a man in the back even though you know that it's wrong, but it's the yeah. right thing to do?
1: Yeah, no. Ed is set up as very defiant and strong in his morals, which is good.
0: And we get that backstory with Ed
1: that his dad was a big hotshot
0: detective who was killed in the line of duty, and he wants to. You know, follow in his footsteps and do something right.
1: And isn't it great that even that backstory comes into today's, like this this film story? Exactly, where you find out that Dudley and what was it, Leland Meeks, killed his dad. Yep, it's great. Especially that that whole situation with Rollo Tomasi. Like
0: that would that would not make as much sense if you didn't have this conversation here about his his backstory. Hmm. Every it seems like every piece of information we get along the way here is for something because this is a quite a complex plot. It's, about multiple different yeah. storylines that, that band together towards the end, which mm. is, you know, one of the best ways of telling stories, having all these different stories spread out and then all just come crashing back in together at the end.
1: Hmm. So we get Bud at the liquor shop. Mm-hmm. What do you make of the chemistry between Bud and Lynn throughout the film? I
0: think it's pretty, pretty good.
1: Okay. I uh, wasn't... Like, it's it's good, I didn't think it was amazing or anything. And I don't know, maybe it's because- Like, wouldn't you think that Bud would have an issue in dating and falling for a prostitute? Like, you see how he reacts when he finds out that she slept with Ed. Now, I know he has a hatred already for Ed, but Mm. like, still, I imagine he would react that way with most of the people she's sleeping with. No,
0: because I I think it's because of the hatred to Ed and what he has done in the movie so far. It just doesn't like strike like a like a big betrayal from her to he no, she knows what this guy has done and she went and did that anyway.
1: Hmm. We see a little quick intro of Sue Leffitt's when she's alive here. You got the wrong idea, mister. I'm fine.
0: But again, another bit of character here with Bud taking down Meeks here. And you know, we've already seen this before, but he it shows that he does he's there all he's there for the women all the time. Even that I love that line. You okay. She's
1: fine. I'm not asking you, sir. <laughs>
0: he's it's, it's not being super aggressive to him he's still playing the part of the cop mm. but he's still you know laying down the law
1: yeah no. it's all it's, listen spoiler alert if you haven't already noticed I really am gonna have almost no complaints about this film every scene I watch it's and it's such a long film like yeah. final thoughts right now it's such a long film but man it does not feel long like every scene is so just dripping in class and skill in acting and directing and cinematography. It's, I just I love this film.
0: For anyone who came into this episode wanting a Daniel and Dean argument, you are sorely in the wrong place. So mm. I advise you to go check out some of our other breakdowns because this <laughs> is going to be uh, a very much um, uh, a movie that we agree on almost everything.
1: Yeah, There's something that in this next scene where you got Sid and Jack busting Simon Baker's character. I didn't realise that Jack says, I don't want those damn... I can't do a the spacey spotlights. voice. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want those damn floodlights in my face when I walk out here. Instant.
0: Yeah, as soon as he walks out, boom. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he takes the marijuana as well. Like he puts it in his pocket. Like, it's not even about that anymore. It's just that they're there, to- they're there for the money. They're there for the spotlight.
1: So we see Jack and Ed interact for the first time here. And yeah, any of Jack- our main characters interact here. Yep. Thanks for your contribution there, Hendo. And we see Jack... Well, some people sl-
0: might not have remembered
1: that. <laughs> And we see Jack, like, slide Ed the, the, yeah. the money across the desk. And Ed's like, nah, I don't want it. I'm not into it. And Jack, he doesn't know how to take it, I don't think. <laughs> Something else I honestly never picked up either is they're talking about these Mexicans that have been brought in who assaulted cops. And you hear Ed quietly say here, he's like, oh, it's just some bruises. And then yeah. you see it snowball and it gets to the point where these cops are exaggerating it. And they're like, ah, this guy lost an eye. They're reading this guy's last rites. So it's like, they're not dying, they've got some bruises. And yeah, I love that you get
0: that line. Like, it's not true. And you just, yeah. it's, that, it's that Chinese whispers kind of yep. game here. And they're all drunk. And it's set in the 50s. And, you know, that's basically the time when it's big manpower. And the cops, you, you see in this film, corrupt cops. They know they're downstairs. They've hurt their own. They're going to take him to town.
1: And you feel for Bud here because he goes down to try and restrain his partner, Dick. But, he is a dick. But... <laughs> Like, what's he meant to do? Like, a Mexican hits him, so but hits back, and then it's No, just...
0: no, no, no. This is what I like. The Mexican tells him to go fuck his mother. Oh. And that's just like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. Fuck your mother. Yeah, and he gets aggressive <laughs> with that. And at this point, you don't know what's happened to his mom, so you think he's just... He has this strong temper. But when you find out later that, of what you know, what happened to his mom, this makes much more sense.
1: Mm. Jack gets in on there, too. Only because he got a bit of blood on his suit. His so, white jacket. Yeah, for his little
0: punch. <laughs> Poor Ed gets locked in the, what, janitor's room. Yeah. What's he meant to do? What do you What do you think of Ed at, at this specific point, coming up with the Okay, testimony. okay. What do
1: I think of Ed? I think as a character on film, he's fantastic. He provides a point of difference, and he's not like anyone else. Yeah, right. So you want to know more about this guy? But hey, if I was on that, if I was on the force, and we had an Ed Exley in my team, oh, it'd be terrible! Fucking sniveling do-gooder. But I think there
0: is a. A rough side to him because you see when he's come, he comes in to do to testify with the heads the the, the higher ups he's going yes I will absolutely testify but I want to make I want to be want to make detective like he's only he, he's he's doing it for self be- he's doing it for self benefit he's a
1: political animal Hendo
0: exactly he's not doing it because
1: he'd rival it's just because he, he believes in he'd the he'd cause rival,
0: he would rival Dudley himself if he didn't get that promotion do you think he would do it
1: yes I do do you I
0: don't know
1: <laughs> yeah right he'd do it.
0: I don't think he would. I think when they say if they would tell him no, he would not do it out of spite.
1: He believes in the law. His main goal is the law. And if he can benefit, get some self-promotion out of it, he will take it.
0: Quite a stark contrast to the end then when he basically lets Dudley die a hero in order to become captain. Mm, exactly. Because yeah. he's had an arc. Exactly. Endo, which what we've already is, talked about. Yeah, which shows it's perfect. That's what I'm saying. The arcs of these characters, that shines and it grows. Mm, no, it's great that these characters change. And I love that the the contrast here between Ed and Bud. But like,
1: no, l- nope, not going to do it. I love that Ed's pushing for Bud to get jail time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jesus <laughs> they really Christ, can't stand each other. <laughs> diehard. Jesus Christ, pal. He could be a freaking bartender for all freaking we know. you watch your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but even like the smarts on Ed here saying like, right, you need another cop to testify. Jack Vincennes. Take the show away. From Take him. the show away. He knows. Yep. He knows what makes people tick. Like, he's incredibly smart. But Jack also knows that
0: Ed can very easily do this. And especially when he looks into the, the one way mirror, knowing that he's there, just stares at him like, you son of a bitch. I know you're there. I know you did this.
1: But when you see them testify, Jack says to Ed, like he didn't know it was Ed, saying, So you're the witness. I
0: think he was just being a little coy there. Coy?
1: Yeah. Jack Vincennes? Never Don't be silly. <laughs>
0: You also get a little bit of humour here as well with the whole not wearing the glasses thing when he comes up to the window and he's like, very good, yep. detective. Lose the glasses. And you see his face drop like, oh... <laughs>
1: I don't know what the, the anti-glasses is, because even Dudley says to him prior, he's like, lose the glasses, Ed. I don't know, a ma- another man on the force that wears them. It's like, does everyone have perfect vision? Were contacts I, I that think popular it show, back then? I think it shows weakness to wear glasses. When were contacts invented? Like, honestly, did they have contacts in the no, 50s? I don't think they did.
0: So what's he meant to do, walk around blind? He does, and you see it multiple times. As he goes into, like, gun raids, he tries to get his glasses out. And especially the first time with Jack, he's like, oh, for God's sake, what are you doing? <laughs> Actually while we're on that, the second time it happens when he doesn't get his glasses out, well, I thought it was gonna be something happening where there's gonna be some missed evidence because he couldn't see it properly. It actually doesn't come back. Is that just like a little just throw like a little throwback to
1: him doing it earlier on? I think it adds levity to the film. I think there's a there's a lot of heavy subject matter and a lot of plot points to sort of get your head around. So having a few laughs at the expense of Ed, especially, it's it's for the viewer.
0: Yeah, fair enough. But you can see Dudley; he doesn't he doesn't want Bud to go away.
1: He he's I, got he's got some tasks for him. I genuinely felt bad for Buddy, cause Bud here, because Bud Bud's like, oh, I want to work homicide. Dudley just no, nah, it's muscle work. That's yep. all you're good for. Like shuts him down, like really brutally.
0: Yeah, the look on, like the acting here from Crow was fantastic. Where yep. you know he thinks he's he's getting back in, and no, it's just it's just stuff he really doesn't want to do. Yeah.
1: But we get some mystery added to the film now because we see these potential crime. You know, bosses in waiting, all getting whacked. Yeah, and we don't know who's doing it. So this is sort of the yeah the mystery of the film, I guess. Like who is running this? I mean, when you know, it's so freaking <laughs> it's so obvious. But yeah, I guess in first time viewing, maybe not so much.
0: Oh, you wouldn't you wouldn't know at all. But here's where we get the well oh, the big crux of the
1: film, I guess, the night hour shooting. Yeah. I found the, the tone shifts here. Yes. Quite dramatically. I mean,
0: the first portion of this film is setting up all these characters, where they're at at this point in their life. They've had some interaction between all of them. You know who likes who, who doesn't. And now we get the
1: turning point. Hmm. Really violent as well. I forgot how violent that reveal of all the bodies in Oh, yeah, the back me too. Was. I was like, Jesus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But poor Dick Stensland. He's, like, he's, had a ru- he's had a rough day. He's been
1: fired. He's killed. So you had a bad day. That's all I know of that song. I'm sure it's very good, though. Um, I don't think it is. Hell of a way to avoid a prison sentence. What wow. a dick! Holy shit, like, mate! Like he's just been fucking murdered. Like, wow! No wonder no one likes you. He's it's such not just a cocky like arsehole. It's not. Yeah, he's not just like right. He wants to do the right thing, and all these corrupt cops hate him for that. He's genuinely
0: this smug little prick. Yep. What did you think of the weird little flashbacks in, like, cut into the scene? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It happens twice, I believe, throughout the film.
1: Ooh, what's the second one?
0: When they when they bring back Meeks that uh, Bud has seen Meeks before at the, at the car, because when he sees his dead body under the house, he yep. sees the Meeks, and then it flashes back to who that guy was.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I I don't mind them doing it. They need to help the audience.
0: I also think <laughs> I also think it feels like more of a 50s film. I feel like I've seen that from films, like where they do those little flashes in the in cut into the scene rather mm-hmm. than a full on out you know exterior cutscene yep. flashback. But you are right. You need that there because you had brief there's glimpses so of these many, people. so many
1: characters. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, as you say, these aren't people that we know. We've seen a 20-second scene with them. Yeah. We need to be reminded who they are.
0: And even the mystery that the the mum can't even recognise her it properly. It's like, hmm, interesting. I wonder why that is. Mm. But they get the, what, the debrief from Dudley.
1: You know what I loved here? I love that there's all these cops standing and there's one empty seat next to ed (laughs) like i never noticed that's a perfect little touch it is like you look at that and you're like he's at the front of the class he's listening eagerly no one will sit next to him yeah and even even it wasn't even dudley that said this it was the i don't know whoever's above dudley one of the older guys says all right guys you know use all necessary force and ed's just like why don't you just put a bounty on them
0: pretty much I mean, it's what he's trying to do. This is what Dudley is intending. He wants. No,
1: it's not Dudley that says
0: it though. No, but Dudley is. Oh, Dudley he, wants. Dudley him has killed. told them these are the people to go for. So, and and of course the higher ups going to be pissed about this. But Bud goes and does a little bit of his own detective work here. He does goes back to that liquor store for an address. Gets Patchett's address. Here's Patchett. Pierce. David. It's David Strathan. Stratham. Stratham. Strathan.
1: He was in a, an R in there. Good night and good luck.
0: He's in the Bourne ultimatum. Do you think of Good Night and Good Luck with David Strathairn? do you?
1: Well, at least he's on the poster for that. It's true. Front and centre.
0: Yes. He hasn't, he hasn't really been a big, like, uh, main lead actor guy, has
1: he? I mean, he's I old in this, so it obviously would have been like- I feel like I've seen him in a lot of films. Really? But
0: just none that can come to mind so quickly. And this is basically where we find out that he's getting all of his prostitutes uh, cut to look like movie stars.
1: Hmm. Apparently, there was something around this time in you know real life that yeah. existed. Interesting. It's a bold strategy. I found it funny when Bud goes to see Lynn and the guy's there, they're watching a Veronica Lake movie.
0: Yeah. It's like... More, ad- added, more added effect.
1: I guess. Interesting kink. I've seen worse. But like you said, Bud is there. Treat- treats her like a bit of a whore. He's not very nice to her. He's just like, well, Pierce runs whores. She's <laughs> just like... I'm right here, man. <laughs> Just like the half dozen guys you screwed today. Actually, it was only two. But
0: at the end of it, he's like, I want to see you again. It's like, whoa. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. You didn't give off that impression. Not this one. Like, obviously, when he sees her at the liquor store, he's a bit smitten. But yeah. this one is very business until right at the end. He's like, are you asking me how to date? date?" Never mind. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> <laughs> Forget I asked. <laughs> I did like the detective stuff here with Jack and Ed, though. But they go and see this guy and they act like they're going to shave 10 years off his brother's sentence and stuff. And I was watching Ed because I'm like, this is illegal what they're doing. I'm like, is Ed going to go along with this? And he's, he gives a, yeah.
0: Well, it's ne- nothing's written down.
1: Yeah, was was it 10 years? or Yeah, 10 years, 10 years.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you were the other guy, you'd, why not? It, it could happen.
1: The funny bit here though when they do get to the house of the 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 guys yeah. that they're looking for and the other cops are there and they're all arguing like who's yeah, gonna take This ta- is my this. bus, this is my bus. And it's Ed who like I'm ranking officer. I am raking and then Jack just looks there and says, he's very serious. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but these are the two guys who work for Dudley. Yeah, they were yeah. sent
1: here by Dudley to kill them. Yeah. And you see, like as Susie opens the door, Shock three up. unarmed guys on a couch, it's like bang. It's like,
0: Jesus. Yeah, luckily, Ed gets in and you know, blocks the, the gun away. They arrest him. What do you make of this interrogation scene with Ed?
1: This yeah. is my... Excellent! <laughs> I think this is so clever what he does here.
0: He's open up the speakers and
1: that. Yeah, the, the use of the speakers, and he just breaks all three of them down yeah. by using what the other one has said against him. And the first one he goes in and he's, and he's lying. He's like, oh, well, this guy said this. He's like, oh, what? What did he say this? No, it was him that took it up the ass in... And he starts. Oh, I love how
0: he flicks the switch at the perfect time because he's not talking about the crime. He's talking yeah. about something else. Flicks it right when he says he's the one who did it. Yeah, like, yeah that's perfect. They were allowed to do that back in the fifties. Those speakers, like flick the speakers on and off. Now, obviously, it's illegal now, and they can't do
1: that. That was masterful, Edmund. <laughs> it's great. <gasps> I just wanted to lose my cherry. <laughs> she don't die, so I don't die. <laughs> she don't die so I don't die. And then he's just like, wait, who Yeah, who are who's you talking a, about? Who's the girl? Who's the girl? And then Bud just oh, like just cracks snaps the yeah, chair, runs in, does a roulette. Like this whole sequence is so fucking It's so good.
0: I was waiting to see that Bud actually had no bullets in that. But I guess he did have a bullet in there. I mean,
1: I guess. Maybe he'd spun it perfectly so it was the sixth bullet. It's always the way in films, isn't it? They never play Russian Roulette in the first one. I mean, I'm sure in Deer Hunter they did, but uh, other than that, it's never the first bullet, is it? Like, by all rights, it should be one in six times you watch this happen that it goes off straight away.
0: There was a Russian Roulette scene in an episode of 24 where it was the first bullet. I remember that.
1: Nice. 24 mention. Mm. But even here, where Bud goes to get this rape victim, Inez, her name is. You know, in the source material, she was actually... The main female, she was the one that Bud and Ed were vying over her affection for. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Why'd they change it? Veronica Lake look alike.
0: I mean, obviously. But this whole scene here with Bud as he sneaks upstairs, what do you make of this whole
1: thing here, this cold-blooded kill? Fine. What do you mean? It's in Bud's nature. He, this person he's just seen as yep. destroyed this young girl. She's tied how up naked, that- How do you bruised. know that he did that? Even if he didn't touch her, he's in this house with her. He's clearly a part of it. Maybe he doesn't care. He doesn't care so much. He's laughing, eating... What is he eating? Cereal, watching cartoons? Maybe he's mentally handicapped. Wow, you're going there, Hendo. Maybe. What, what evidence do you have that he might be mentally handicapped? Was
0: there any evidence that he raped this girl?
1: Yes, there's a naked raped girl in the next room. That is some evidence. Where's your mentally handicapped evidence? He's
0: sitting there laughing at cartoons. Eating well, you don't cereal. laugh at cartoons? Not those cartoons, eating cereal in the middle of the day.
1: How do you know it was the middle of the day? Pretty sure it was Saturday morning Disney, header. <laughs> Cheese small TV. Old fuck,
0: small roadrunner <laughs> Wile Coyote.
1: I would laugh at that. Nah, I'm just mucking around. Of course this guy deserved it. But again, we get more Dick Ed Exley here. He goes to try and talk to her while she's being wheeled away in the ambulance. And it's just like, Stensland got what he deserved and so will you. What the fuck, man? Yeah. It's like he wants to he just piss everyone like, off. What does Ed know about Stensland here? He hit a prisoner who had been accused of assaulting police. It's not like, oh, yeah, he deserved to die. So do you. It's like, Calm down. Yeah, the whole deserving to die is just he too extreme. He hasn't uncovered the whole no you know, Stensland, Dudley mix of it all. Like, yeah. Man, back up. But this action scene here. Quite is-
0: convenient that they uh, escaped the prison or the, the custody.
1: I mean, surely they let out. There's yeah, no Obviously, obviously. that's
0: why I say it was quite convenient. Yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah, this whole bit here. Very tense. That, yeah. You
1: see that bottle rolling slowly, it drops. Bullshit. Yeah.
0: I must say this, the sound, the sound of all these action scenes, in particular the final action scene, it's great. It's so like overbearing in a good way. Like The sound of the shotguns going off, it's
1: shotgun head. Who would have thought? <laughs>
0: Even the way he yeah, he kills that last guy, puts the shotgun into the into the elevator yep. to stop it. Boom. You don't you don't see it? You
1: just yep. Yeah. And he gets a little bit of blood on his yeah, face. Yeah, you see his
0: reaction like holy shit. And yeah, he's the hero now. Good old Ed. Times have certainly changed, haven't they?
1: Yeah, the cop the other cops like him now.
0: Yeah, cuz he killed the three people that killed the cops. He's like
1: Rudolph. The red-nosed reindeer. Because of the blood? Because he was hated, but now he's leading the way.
0: Yeah, we have a brief montage here, I guess. Jack's back in the... uh... Hey, Jack's back! That's right. He loves it. He loves the game. What game? The showbiz game. The spotlight.
1: This is definitely, as you did mention before, the turning point for Jack here. He goes... He talks to Simon Baker... And organises to see him later on, and they like. I know he's. He says to him, "Yeah, well, I have got a part for you." Obviously, he doesn't, but he still doesn't want this kid dead. No. And when he goes to the room and he sees his throat slit, he's just like, "Oh, you see that sadness in Spacey there."
0: That's where he changes when he realises that it, there's more to it than setting people up for the money. Yeah,
1: but yeah, this this town is ugly.
0: Yes, but even here you can see the connection to both of these stories when he's mentioning Simon Baker. And Pierce Patchett. Pierce Patchett. Pierce Patchett. So you can see there is some, some tie-ins here for both of these mysteries that are going on. And even this part here where the girl who was raped before, she tells Ed that she she wasn't even 100% sure it was those guys. She just wanted to get some justice. Hmm.
1: And you even see when the- Oh, g- hold on, hold on. She's not she's not saying she wasn't 100% sure it was those guys. She's <laughs> saying she doesn't know what time they left. Yeah. The guys were definitely the ones that were raping Absolutely, her. Yeah,
0: that's not- I know, I, that's not what I meant. She she was obviously you should, saying- You should try she, and say
1: what you mean then, okay.
0: Okay, so she semi lied about the time that they left, so that she, they could be blamed for the murder. Get their comeuppance, get their justice. And you you have this whole big theme, obviously, in this movie about show business and corruption and that. You get the all the um, reporters that come down to start talk about to st- start talking to this girl and Ed, and she you see a little glimmer of like show like fame in her eyes here, like hey, I'm in the spotlight now. But Bud's back out doing his detective work after he's had his little conversation with Lynn about you know he is a smart person, he can go out and do this work. He's not just a big bruiser, a muscle. He looks into the case and he investigates
1: Susan Lefferts, talks to the mum,
0: and he finds out that Dick was the boyfriend. Yeah. She loved Dick.
1: Because he knows that Dick said he had a date. Sorry, I missed you. She loves (laughs) Dick joke. I'm sorry. That was very funny. I did not do it justice. (laughs) But she finds out that, sorry, Bud finds out that Dick had a date and there were only two women that were killed and one was a waitress. Ipso facto, Sue was Dick's date. A dead body was pretty rough, though, wasn't it? It looked a bit, yeah. Now, uh, squishy. This was a cop and Sue, right? A cop hid this dead body under a house. Now, Dick has killed a lot of people. Why is he leaving a body with a wallet and ID, mind you? Like, don't even make him go and trace he's fingerprints and He's not the greatest cop in the world. Yeah, but he's been doing it for years. I don't buy that he would just put a dead body under a house. He's
0: been getting away with it for so long. Why would he take the extra- Bury effort?
1: it. He, does he look like the kind of guy who's, who can dig a hole? He <laughs> could dig half a hole. Would that be enough? <sighs> but no, the body is Leland Mix.
0: Yes, and if you didn't know who that was, you get a nice little flashback scene to who that guy is, that, you know, 30 second scene of him.
1: But you sort of get this this sort of uh, string of events here where Ed's one step behind Bud. So he sort of goes yeah, to right. like the, you know, he sort of goes on this Bud journey. He goes to the file room and he's like, oh, Bud was just here. You know, I wish you guys had stopped digging into old I cases.
0: Love I love that he's like, what can you tell me about the case? Oh, I, I can tell you, I wish you guys would just let this one die and I can put this away.
1: <laughs> But here's where you get this great scene with uh, Jack and Ed, and Ed explains what Rolo Tomasi is.
0: Yeah, basically the Rolo uh, Tomasi is a, just a, a name he made up to the
1: to give it personality. Yeah, like he's the guy that gets away with it.
0: Yeah, the guy. Yeah, exactly. Which makes perfect sense for all these corrupt cops.
1: Yeah, but even here, Ed is, you know, at odds with his job and the police, yeah, you know, department and what they do is like. Yeah, you know, when I got in here, it was supposed to be about justice. It was yep. supposed to be about doing the right thing. And now he's just in this world of shit, really. Like, he's, yeah, he's not corrupt like the others, but he's still very much playing this game.
0: He's, he's taken part in certain little bits of it. And he doesn't, you know, you see sometimes throughout this film, he's having a hard time with it. Obviously, he gets uh, a
1: bit better at it
0: as the movie goes along. Like, not just the corruption of the other cops, but the, the other cops corrupt him. Hmm. But they agree to help each other with their cases. Uh, this whole little adventure that these two go on trying to solve these cases. There's some funny bits. This whole Lana Turner part where he (laughs) mistakes her for a whore. It's funny as... And even the chuckle they have together in the car afterwards, he, Ed breaks that mold a little bit. He's always this prim and proper guy, but after this, you know, he has a little, he has a laugh about it. Like it was a stupid moment. Yeah. But even after this conversation with Pierce Patchett, they do separate here. Jack goes back to the station, and Ed goes to see Lynn Bracken.
1: Yeah, I think this is probably her Oscar clip, the icy bird. For all the ways he's not like you and all that sort of stuff.
0: But even getting Sid involved here with the Hush Hush magazine, they've set it up perfect. Like, she knows he's coming and-
1: Who? Ed or Sid?
0: Ed. Sid's there in the house. Oh, I get it. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ. You're really, you're really a bit slow tonight, Hendo. I was like, what you, how did you forget that he was there already? <laughs> he's literally there. How can he be coming? Oh, uh, wait. <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, nah, Ed loves it though.
0: But you got Jack investigating a bit more here, working out about
1: Dudley and Meeks,
0: starting to put a couple of pieces together here, and he goes to speak to Dudley about it. Hmm. This scene's great. It's more than that. Excellent! Yeah. Like, I knew this was coming, obviously, but it still gets me. There's there's no hype about it at all. There's hmm. no, you
1: know, no shocking music. Yep.
0: There's, no, there's no, like, lead-up to it.
1: And I love that when you know it's going to happen... There are a couple times when Dudley turns his back to him and then turns around. Yeah. And it's not the time that he shoots him. He's like
0: making a cup of tea for him. And when he, the time he turns around with the gun, it's at the time where he would be getting his cup of tea just to turn around mm. and sit down. And just that whole.
1: What does actually make of all this? No, I haven't told him yet. I just came straight from the record. Team.
0: And just the swing around and the shot. Holy shit. Yeah. It, of, is,
1: it is fantastic. Out of nowhere. And then Dudley sort of leans in real close and Jack sort of like starts to smile and roll it. Rollo. Dudley is like, Have you a valediction, boyo? Rollo. Tomasi.
0: And that little smirk after he's done with it. Like, he knows. He knows he's got him. He knows he's going to set him up here. And just the, the dead look of Spacey. It's, he does it fantastic. Hmm. Apparently he had a a bit of difficulty playing dead. He said it was easy to stare straight ahead when there was an actor or an actress in front of him, but he found his eyes would follow to James Cromwell, who was just off the side there. So they asked the production assistant to draw a circle on the wall across the other side of the room, which he stared at, which made it work perfect. Very clever. But Jack Vincennes, he's, he's done. He's out of it.
1: Yeah, which does allow Ed and Bud to sort of start their friendship.
0: But I love how the payoff for this is immediate. Straight away, you got the debrief about the fake... Uh, report of Jack getting killed in the park, and he goes, Dudley goes straight to Ed and mentions Rollo Tomasi straight away. And how good is Ed here? He he just realizes oh. you get a little, little look of holy shit, and then yeah. he swallows it and he, he knows what he needs to do here. It's
1: not how good is Ed, it's how good is Guy Pierce yes, here. Yes, yes, that's what I mean. <sighs> this scene is quite inconsequential and doesn't need to be there because we're just going to get to Bud at the Victory Motel with Sid. But this little interaction between Dudley and Bud here. I could use your fierceness habits at the Victory Motel when, now Wendell. Why does he call him Wendell? I don't know. <laughs> he does it all the time. <laughs> but even
0: the deflated look on Bud's face here, when he calls him, he's like, yeah, what do you want? It's like, more more of the muscles. Like, oh, yeah, all right. But I completely forgot that they were setting him up to, to go after Ed. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was all genuine, because I, I know, I, I knew that Sid, like, gets killed here. Yeah. But I thought... Like he was part of it, so when he mentions the photos and he gets angry and drives well, he off, he thought he
1: was part of it too.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. But I, I, I thought that Bud was a was part of the Sid death. Oh, yeah, okay. Like it was it was a follow up from Jack because they were like good friends. But then yeah, you find out that they're setting the whole thing up so that he will go after Ed. Yeah, and you know, cutting the loose ends off, and they they kill poor Sid here, old Danny DeVito, unlucky mate.
1: He's good in this, Danny DeVito though. I the so, role.
0: I love Cromwell when he's you know. uh Hush, hush. Yeah, covering his mouth. Hush, hush. That was great. But yeah, this is the scene we were talking about before when Bud confronts Lynn about it all. Yep. You know, great acting here from Crow. Such restraint, but can't, you know, he, he hits her.
1: Uh, we've said, yeah, and obviously the irony is he's become everything he hates so much. And he realises that. like Immediately. Which is, yeah. He realises and he runs away. That's fine. We talk about like, oh, Russell Crowe is so great. Guy Pearce is so great. Kim Basinger won the Oscar for this. Yes, what did you think of her performance?
0: I think she brings out a lot of
1: emotional strength. What about you? I think it's good, but I don't think it's Oscar-worthy. And I think the problem in this film is you have so many amazing performances around her with, you know, Guy Pearce, Russell Crowe, Kevin Spacey, even James Cromwell. I think their performances are all stronger, so it is a bit somewhat overshadowed.
0: All right, so where do you think she shapes up against the other four nominees from that year? You got Joan Cusack for In and Out? Definitely not. Mini Driver for Goodwill Hunting. Okay. Julianne Moore for Boogie
1: Nights. Oh, there it is. And Gloria Stuart in Titanic. Yeah, I was thinking Old Rose. Uh, nah, I think Julianne Moore should win it. Boogie uh, Nights. I agree completely. She's like Julianne Moore's fantastic in Boogie Nights. It's interesting
0: how n- none of the none of the guys got any nominations at all. When I mean, you look at the lineups from Best Actor, you got Dustin Hoffman for Wag the Dog, Peter Fonda for Yuli's Gold, Robert Duvall for The Apostle, Matt Damon for Good Will Hunting, and the eventual winner, Jack Nicholson for As Good as It Gets.
1: Well, here's the thing. The problem with a film like this is none of these actors are best actor material. They're all best supporting actors. Well, then let's look at supporting
0: actors, shall we? Burt Reynolds in Boogie Nights, Greg Kinnear in As Good As It Gets, Anthony Hopkins in Amistad, Robert Forster in Jackie Brown, and Robert Williams in *Google Hunting.
1: I mean, I haven't seen Amistad.
0: I know you weren't a big Robert Forster fan in Jackie Brown. You'd no. take him out for, for, sure. for who?
1: Crow or Pierce? I mean, maybe this is the problem. Like, you can't nominate them all. They there's, cancel each other out. There's no standout. Like, I don't think. I think. I think Spacey's probably the best. Yeah. Then Pierce, then Russell Crowe. Where would you put them? Gee, this is this. It's hard. No, I think I think Crowe.
0: I think I would put Crowe, and then I would put Pierce, and then Spacey. Okay. But they're all like they're on all, the level.
1: Yeah. They're all very very good.
0: Yep. Ed and Bud have the big confrontation here. You see, Ed knows it's coming. Like he's trying to tell him. Like he set you up. Like he told. He showed you these, didn't he? And you just you can like when I was talking about the doesn't grunts. change it though. <laughs> no, but, but he understands. Like he set him up. He, he and he see him ready to like take him down. But he like he yells and screams like it's true. It's true. We got to We got to calm down and work together here.
1: Hmm. So they go to a Patchett's house and he's dead. Yep, Fake unlucky. suicide note. They really don't put too much effort into no. this. If Bud can tell straight away he's been tied up.
0: Yeah, the fingers are broken. Yeah. Yeah, but if Dudley is in control here, he can he, he doesn't need to tell them that the fingers are broken. He can send him off to the or like the the morgue and he's done. The coroner. That's the one. But they confront the DA, Ron Rifkin. This is great. He thinks he's in such control here. He's like, oh, I I wrote the book on good car.
1: Good bad cop. cop, bad carproutine. Yeah, into, <laughs> into the mirror. <laughs> hang him over the edge. He's great. Hey Dexley, get him off me! <laughs>
0: And again, what Dudley said earlier on, will you be would you be willing to, you know, interrogate a suspect? Works yep. perfect. And this is where you find out that Dudley is trying to move on Mickey C's drug ring. All comes back, all full circle.
1: Hmm. We get this huge shootout at the Victory Motel. They're sort of nice both, nice combination. Uh, yeah, both are set up to oh, the other wants to meet you here.
0: Yeah they realize immediately, like, oh, shit, okay. It's too late to leave. Let's get ready. Shootout's great. Like, they work together as a team really well.
1: There's some smart maneuvering here. I like that the good guys get shot. Like, it yeah. was great when Russell Crowe copped a bullet to the cheek.
0: Yep. Oh, that, yeah. That looked like it was a death Yeah. well. it's really good. And the final part here where Dudley is like, you going to do it? No, that's what I thought. Good boy. I'll go first and, you know, we'll, we'll corroborate a story here. Mm. Shoots him in the back. Well done.
1: And I love that Ed admits that afterwards. Yeah. When he's sitting there, he's just like, Yeah. After which I shot Captain Dudley in the back.
0: And even after all that, the it's not about oh Dudley, what a what a bastard. It's shit, this is gonna look bad on the police. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I love how he knows what they're talking about. A like, hero? Yeah. How did you did you hear us? <laughs> like he knows. And he's thought it all through. So I'll go along with it, if you make me, Captain. Like, you smug, smart bastard. Hmm. Yep, and he gets a nice little goodbye from Lynn and Bud as they're off. And that's it. That is the end of it. It is. Any last words? All right, Dean, I think I know what you're going to say here, but what's your final thoughts on Alley Confidential?
1: Amazing film. Performances are a standout. I love how complicated this plot is. And after repeat viewings, I'm still picking up new things the this story feels so real like it feels like how you know real crime rings and corruption would actually happen there would be a heap of characters involved it would not be just one villain and that's it and there's mm. no one else of note like there's so many moving parts here and trying to like piece together when events are happening the motives of each person. It's not easy, but it's not done in a way where you're watching, you're like, man, I'm lost, I don't know what's going on. You're enjoying what you're seeing so much that you forgive any confusing elements to it to the point where the confusing stuff becomes a positive, which is what I'm saying. I absolutely love this film. Without a doubt, it's... Amazing. Amazing? Outstanding. From me. What about you, Hendo? So LA
0: Confidential has so much going for it in so many ways. For starters, it has an amazing cast, from the trio leads in Pierce, Crow, and Spacey to the secondary characters in Basinger and Cromwell. Everyone is showing tremendous talent in their acting abilities here. The characters they are playing are so complex and three-dimensional, all with their own arcs of growth that just flows so organically thanks to an Oscar-winning script that works impeccably. The story itself is the perfect blend of intrigue and mystery, while being complicated with multi-story tie-ins and character interactions, but not so complicated that you can't follow what's happening or who it's happening to. The twists and turns throughout the film feel earned as it goes along, and character decisions feel right and just as their natural progression moves through the story. Add all these factors in, great acting, characters, story and script, set in a 50s backdrop that looks and feels so authentic, you got one hell of a great ride, one easily worthier than... Me. Amazing.
1: Incredible! Outstanding.
0: From me as well. Fantastic. It's been a while since we both had a double amazing. Yeah, what would the last film be? Kill Bill? Batman Begins? Yeah. Kill Bill, geez, you went way far back.
1: Well, I'm just having a look. I think Silence of the Lambs was after that too. Oh, okay. All right, let's see where we put it in our rankings. I was the best because the crowd loved me. And now uh, you can start. Where do you put it? Oh, well, I'm going first this time, am I? I think it's the first time ever. Wow. Wow. What a moment for us.
0: All right. Let's look at the top tier here. We're going to start at number 17 for Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And this is better than that. It's also better than the Terminator. Then it gets to the Prestige at number 15. And LA Confidential is better than the Prestige. So we move on to our number 14, which is Your Name, and I think LA Confidential is going to move on from there. I also think it's going to move over The Wizard of Oz at number 13.
1: It's really making a strong run here. You spoke too soon because that's where it's
0: going to stop. It's not better than Mad Max Fury Road. So I'm going to put LA Confidential as my new number
1: 13 out of 50. Very nice. What about you, my friend? All right, let's start at my number 14, five-star film, The Terminator, and it's better than The Terminator. Yes. My number 13 is The Lion King. It's better than Lion King. Okay. Number twelve is Casino. Very similar film. It's better than Casino. Yes, it is. All right. Look at my number eleven film. Was
0: well, this? Uh, this is the best Shane pick so far. Terminator and Casino.
1: Yeah. Yep. Eleven film is Silence of the Lambs, and that is also going to move over Silence of the Lambs. How dare you? Now we're up against Die Hard. Number ten. Is Ooh. it going to crack the top ten? No, it will not. Oh, so close. So close. It is my new number, 11 out of 50.
0: Well, there we go. 50 breakdowns. 50 down. We are 20% of the way.
1: (laughs) One fifth, you could say. And you did. So many more to go. (laughs) Not even a fifth, really, because we're going to do more than 250.
0: Oh, yeah. We've got, well, I think we've got four breakdowns that are out of the top 250 right
1: now. Donnie Darko.
0: La La Land. Wizard of Oz. Groundhog Day.
1: How does Wizard of Oz fall out of the top 250?
0: I don't know. It's, I don't want to bash the list. <laughs> all right, it's time for our podcast promo shout-out, and it's from Clay and Corey at the Two Dads Review podcast. These guys, they're loving movies, loving TV shows, just two dads talking about it all.
1: Yeah, no, this is a great podcast. I highly recommend uh, Two Dads Review.
0: Yeah, we'll play their promo now, and we'll be
1: back on the other side. Hey, this is Clay. And this is Corey. And we are the Two Dads Review podcast. Uh, what do we talk about, Corey? Movies? Yes. Uh TV shows? Yes. And we're dads? Are those all questions? Y- yes Oh okay. Well find all that and more over at 2DadsRview.com and your favorite podcast
0: app. Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related.
1: Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there.
0: Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and of course Podbean. We're very thankful for Podbean for taking on our podcast.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site and it's got this great app with it as well.
0: Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode that you're watching and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately.
1: Amazing. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash journey, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash journey, our Letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterbox.com slash dino underscore j eighty eight really rolls off the tongue, and you can find Hendo at letterbox.com/slash hendo.
0: Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. Or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, Breaking Down Films Not On Our Top 250
1: List. Yeah, we've actually got over 50 episodes on there now. We've gone through some notable directors' filmographies, such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino.
0: That's right. There's also tons of other benefits over there. Early access to our main show, Patreon-only polls that we put up on
1: the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down so what's coming up this week mate
0: well this week we are actually doing Dog millionaire it's our full-on breakdown for our 2008 oscar series and like we said last time as it is a full-on breakdown we're going to be releasing this at our dollar level you'll also get our full-on breakdown of pulp fiction along with a couple of other extras including batman Mask of the phantasm and
1: sideways damn they get pulp fiction for a dollar that's right that's crazy
0: yeah can't disagree with you there mate we'd also like to give a big shout out to our newest patron nick milner Thank you very much, mate, for jumping on board, the Patreon crew. We really, really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, mate. We hope you're really enjoying the uh, all the extra content we're giving out. Yeah, you have our undying love and gratitude for life. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer.
0: All right, mate, let's get to... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this oh. could be it. Oh. And let's get to some reviews over on Twitter. First one here from Ronica Soul, A masterpiece in direction, screenplay, and performances, especially from Kevin Spacey and Kim Basinger. All of them, though, are phenomenal.
1: Next up from the top 10, Double M. Superb casting, gripping script, ensemble cast, masterful direction. That was masterful, Edmund. And cinematography. Hard to ask for more.
0: All right, let's head over to our patron for our lovely, lovely patrons. First one from David Powell. Not a patch on Elroy's brilliant novel. Ooh! Not a patch! Come on! But this is still the best adaptation to date of one of his books. James Elroy's plots are labyrinthine, to say the least. And Curtis Hansen does as good a job as anyone could, cramming LA Confidential into 138 minutes. Casting is hit and miss if you've read it, but all actors do a solid job, with He Who Shall Not Be Named, Basinger, and James Cromwell as standouts. Titanic beating this for Best Picture is one of Oscar's greatest injustices of recent years.
1: Next up, from Chris Beardsell. Shout out to Shane for selecting this. It was my first time watching it, and I really enjoyed it. Nice. Lucky you. A really strong cast with standout performances by Cromwell, Spacey, and Crow. But for me, the standout was Guy Pearce. That man has a jawline you can set your watch to.
0: (laughs) I wonder if... Chris knew about the Spacey death.
1: Ooh, good question.
0: Yeah. Let us know, Chris. I'd really love to know if, if that was like a genuine shock for you.
1: Hmm. Am I missing something in Basinger's performance? I found it quite flat. And looking at the other nominees that year, I would have given the Oscar to Julianne Moore for Boogie Nights. Yeah, boy. The script by Hanson and Helgeland is fantastic and was well deserving of winning Best Ad- Adapted Screenplay. We'll definitely revisit this in the future. Our next one here is from Julio at The Contrarians. Now, this is what
0: a convoluted but enjoyable plot looks like. Among the many things I love about LA Confidential is the fact that every time I rewatch it, I've already forgotten how everything is connected. Hell of a cast,
1: too. And lastly here on Patreon, quick one from Hayden Gerloff. Great performances in this film. The weakest won the Oscar. Damn. <laughs> Harsh, Hayden. Harsh. Thank you
0: very much, everyone, for your reviews. But, of course, we've got the man who picked this film. And that, of course, is... Shane!
1: LA Confidential begins with almost a Scorsese style of direction and storytelling, but gradually finds its own character as the movie progresses. The cast in this film is tremendous, and probably the film's biggest highlight. Spacey, Crow, and Pierce are equally captivating as detectives bucking up against each other, as well as those on the other side of the law. If I had to pick a favourite, it would probably be Crow, but rarely do the three leads outshine one another. Supporting cast is also excellent, with an assortment of colourful characters weaving in and out of the story. The plot is a complicated mystery involving LA's criminal underworld, which includes police corruption. Being put in the shoes of the three leads, it is very entertaining to watch them unravel the mystery. The film hits hard with several small twists, followed by a large one, which was pretty shocking the first time around. The movie isn't The Departed, and it doesn't have a Tarantino script to work with, so it might be a little lightweight when compared to The Greats. However, the film never fails to deliver on multiple viewings, and still remains one of the best police procedurals, with one of the best casts to ever hit the screen. It's been a while since I watched it, but after this viewing, I can still affirm it is one of my favourite movies that is a mid-tier 5-star rating. Thank you, Shane. Thank you very much, Shane. All right, Dean, it's time for... Answer my question! The question, jerk!
0: Where we asked is, what is your most surprising death in film? Now, big, big warning, there's probably going to be a lot of spoilers throughout these answers. I know I got spoiled on a couple of movies I hadn't seen before, but I knew that going into it. So just be warned, there could be spoilers for multiple different films.
1: All right, first up from the cinema guys, Burn After Reading. I think we know who
0: that was. Next one from Swamp Thing Joker. Now, I have admitted the person who they're talking about because it is still at the cinema. That is very, very recent. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Moving on. Moving on to Torbjorn Grav uh, Inglorious Bastards with Melanie Laurent. Charlie Ganders says Godzilla, Brian Cranston, gone
0: on the first 15 and the reason I wanted to see it. That sucks.
1: Yeah. That was. A waste of Cranston. Yeah,
0: he was all over the trailer, and then that's it. He's done.
1: Next up, from Ben Weston, from The Departed, William Billy Costigan Jr. Leo.
0: That was a very popular answer. Mm. Next up, from Melissa Tracy, Pulp Fiction.
1: Now, I'm going to assume they're talking about Marvin.
0: Yeah, I mean, there wouldn't be any other person, would
1: there? I mean, I would argue Travolta.
0: Yeah, that could be it. It could be Travolta or Marvin.
1: I, for my list, I considered Travolta. From Get Gone the Movie... From To Live and Die in LA, William L. Peterson. That was the first time I was like, whoa, holy shit. Can they do that to the lead character when the last act of the movie still is to come? Yes. Yes, I can. SJ Honeywell says it has to be the deaths in The Departed. Disaster Artists, the Movie Survival Podcast says from A Place Beyond the Pines, Ryan Gosling. It was like the film ended there and suddenly you were watching some weird sequel. It really is. Chris Newman says
0: Affleck's character in Smoking Aces. It was probably the biggest star in the picture at that time, and it came right in the beginning. Yeah, I think I mentioned that on our Smoking Ace episode, that I completely
1: forgot that he was just off so quickly in the movie. Mm. From Nick J. Fury, executive decision. I did see a few executive decisions in the uh, comments here.
0: Yeah, have you seen executive decision? No. But did you know about this already?
1: I still don't know about it, and I'm <laughs> reading it right now. I will forget this in two minutes. Yeah,
0: that's the beauty of you having no memory.
1: I don't care. You can watch this tomorrow and I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> So, it is Steven Seagal. I'm still waiting for him to miraculously show up in the third act and save the day. Ah, well, at least I had nearly two hours of looking at a nearly flawless Halle Berry to get me through. Halle Berry's in that? Yeah, so it's Kurt Russell. I don't know why those two are the same. Halle Berry is in that film.
0: Jessica Taylor says, Even though it was foreshadowed in a previous scene... The death of the dad in a quiet place gutted me. I would argue there's a much more surprising death in that film.
1: Ooh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Ooh, are you changing your list? No, but still. <laughs> From Melissa Romero, Josh Brolin in No Country for Old Men.
0: Aramid Dre says, Artax in the never ending story scarred my childhood.
1: I was never affected by that. Me neither. Uh, Jupiter Spurlock says Judy Dench being killed off in Skyfall. Mm. Mysteries and Monsters Podcast says Bill Murray in Zombieland. Maria Emma says Rodora Hayes in Velvet Buzzsaw. I think I watched I think I think watched Velvet Buzzsaw at the
0: start of the year. No, I've got no idea who you're talking about. Anyway, Jared Kelly, once again, says Leo DiCaprio in The Departed.
1: Real Speak says Alberto in Hello Highwater. Yeah, I
0: must admit when I watched that, it, it gave me... A bit of a shock that they, that happened. I've forgotten. What a surprise.
1: Which one's Alberto?
0: He is Jeff Bridges' partner. It just ha- it's just a matter of fact. They're in a gunfight. Gun oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Malin 181 says, Gwen Stacy in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I know that it happens in the comics, but for a while I wasn't sure if the film was going
1: to go there. Didn't they show it in the trailers? I don't think so. No way. Mm. Glenn McGregor says, The X-Force team from Deadpool 2. Girl 2018 says, Ryan Reynolds in Life. I haven't seen it don't shit there's no point now I've just been spoiled on it well you're gonna forget it after we finish next up from Mary Tucker Brad Pitt in Meet Joe Black
0: have you seen Meet Joe Black yeah have you no but I've seen that shot of like the multiple cars hitting him yeah Yeah. it it
1: is shocking oh yeah I think. what do you mean oh yeah like you've seen it
0: (laughs) I think it went around that like people were putting out like this was an actual like it was so it was so convincing anyway last one on Twitter from Steve from the Movie Drone Podcast John Coffey in the Green Mile what do you think of that one
1: I mean, I don't get it. He's on death row the whole movie.
0: I think he thinks that because he's the like the really sensitive good guy in the movie, that he's not gonna be put to death row. Like he'll get away, he'll get out of it somehow.
1: Maybe overthinking it a bit.
0: No, I disagree. All right, let's head over to our Facebook page. From patron Josephine Olnitz, Yeah, I was in denial. So no matter what Harrison Ford had said, I didn't think they'd do it. Every time I watch The Force Awakens, I'm hoping it won't happen. That my copy of the film has magically changed. No, Han. No, don't trust him. He's not your son anymore. He won't. No!
1: (laughs) I love it. Next up from Chris Waldridge. Shout out to Psycho. Not shocking for later generations, because we all knew it was coming. But imagine not knowing the main character was going to cop death. By Shower Knife, halfway through the film. Travis Liversage said, Steven Seagal, an
0: executive decision. His face covered half the poster for the movie. Mark Harris says, Thanos, at the start of Endgame. It's an interesting pick. Ryan Utting says, M in Skyfall, can't believe
1: they did it. Eliza Boyington says, Iron Man. Tony
0: Ijeb says, Serenity, all I have to say is I am a leaf on the wind. I haven't seen Serenity. I haven't. I haven't seen Firefly. Firefly. Yeah. Me neither.
1: No, none of it. I'm sure it's quite good. Yeah, here it is. Lastly, here on Facebook, from Clint Chafee, Sean Bean in Patriot Games. Goldeneye, Lord of the Rings, The Island. Never see these coming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's have a look at our Patreon for our lovely, lovely patrons. Chris Beardsall says, seven. What's in the box?
1: Brianna Petty says, Dobby. Unexpected and heartbreaking. Rest in peace, you little hero. The
0: Rough House Podcast says, Phil, his first name is Agent. Colson getting knocked off in the Avengers. Got me,
1: stupid, sexy, Loki. (laughs) Ah, Brother Shane says, Mr. Blonde.
0: And our last one here from Jay, Lieutenant Colonel Austin Travis in Executive Decision, Blew My Mind. Now, thank you very much, everyone, for your responses. But, Dean, it's time to get to our top five surprising deaths in films. As usual, we'll kick it off with you. What's your number five?
1: Yep, so I just want to reiterate, you know, the spoiler warnings here. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Uh, My number five is from The Irishman. I've gone with... Spoiler, 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 spoiler Nah, I'm joking <laughs> I wouldn't do that Oh, I was like, really? <laughs> no, no, no um, Just wanted everyone listening To freak out for now, a everyone just,
0: now everyone's like There's a surprising death In the film?
1: <laughs> everyone just turned off The podcast <laughs> <laughs>
0: They're not listening To this anymore
1: No My number five Is uh, Danny Vineyard In American History X
0: Is that the first time you have thrown American History X On the top five list? I really think that might be Is it? I think so Fair enough What do you think Of that choice? I can see why you put it on there. Yeah. Uh, Number five for me is M in Skyfall. Did not see it coming at all. Judi Dench has been in the Bond franchise since GoldenEye. I didn't didn't think it was going to happen.
1: Speaking of someone who didn't see it coming, um, I went with Charlie from Hereditary. At number four. Yes.
0: Okay, very good. My number four is the movie we talked about today. Jack Vincennes, LA Confidential.
1: Ah. Insane. My number three, and I did steal this from the comments because I thought it was great. And I was genuinely shocked when it oh, happened. Ah, here we go. It is Thanos in Endgame. Oh, I
0: knew you were gonna have it on there, <laughs> mate.
1: When I watched it, I, I turned to Brett. I was like, "What? The, what is this movie gonna be? <laughs> what, what is this?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, you liked it too. My number three.
0: Ah, oh, damn! I Shot Marvin in the face.
1: Ah, yeah. My number two. Kevin Spacey, L.A. Confidential.
0: Very good. My number two. You've said it. Charlie and Hereditary. Holy shit. I'm on it. I'm pretty sure oh, we must have the same it one. How is not? It's, it's us. Of it's course, number one. The Departed. Absolutely. Leo. For sure. Yeah. Blew my mind. Yeah. Still does. And his. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, Dean, for next week's question of the week, let's do a random one here. Pick a number between one and 50. 42. Okay, we're going to go with, what is your favourite film set in a
1: single day? Just to clarify... It doesn't have to be, like, start and end of day. We're just talking, like, 24-hour period?
0: No, I think it has to be in the same day. Like, I don't think you can go from day, mm. night, day.
1: So you can't go day, night, morning?
0: No, that's the next day. Okay, fair enough. All right, that is different. Well, we tr- we strive for different sometimes. We can't keep going the same ones over and over. No.
1: We're both masters. Who won? How did it end?
0: All right, it is time for our Pod V Pod X movie draft results between you and me in our draft on films we've done a breakdown on so far.
1: All right, I had Team 1, and I picked The Matrix, Die Hard, The Terminator, Logan, and Mad Max Fury Road. And that leaves Team 2 for me, and I had
0: Saving Private Ryan, The Silence of the Lambs, The Thing, No Country for Old Men, and Kill Bill, Volume 1. So let's take a look at some responses to this. First one here from awesome patron, Alianni Silvermist. Got to go with Team Daniel. That's why you're an awesome patron, Aliani.
1: Next up from Paul at the Countdown Podcast. Both excellent efforts, but Team Dean wins with the most consistent list. Oh, thanks, Paul.
0: What about Julio at the Contrarians? Excellent lists on both sides. So I'll just use my standard Fury Road is a little overrated position to decide my vote. Team Daniel.
1: I don't disagree with you, Julio. Uh, Next up, Ghosts of the Stratosphere says, Team Dean, and it's not even close. I really like No Country for Old Men, but Team Dean has my three favourites from all of these. Fair enough. Crash Dude says, Team Daniel, and this shouldn't be close. TV Worth Watching says, if it weren't for saving Private Ryan, I'd have to do an eeny, meeny, miny, moe. So Team Dean for me. I think he did do an Eeny, Meeny, money mo.
0: No, he didn't. Is he saying that Saving Private Ryan was a bad pick? Yes, he's saying Saving Brother Ryan is a bad pick. Wow, interesting. JD at the Incession Film Podcast says, Man, this is a toss-up, but I went with Team Daniel.
1: feeling and Film Podcast says, Not a fun choice at all, but I'm not giving up Die Hard ever. All right, then. Ryan
0: Alteri Terry says, Team Daniel, as much as I love Die Hard, Team Daniel has science of the lambs and the thing.
1: Matt Neglier at the next Best Picture Podcast says, I hate you guys so much for this. But Team Dean.
0: I like I like that. It shows that we put up a pretty good fight. we got two good teams here. Cinematic Adventure says, Team Dean went for the popular choices, forcing
1: Team Daniel to pick the good ones. So Team Daniel. Interesting. Antoinette. Fox says Team Dean has a better selection, but Team Daniel has Kill Bill and the Thing. Jeez, I type and send fast, so I don't feel so bad. Team Dean.
0: Ah! All right, thank you everyone for your responses. Let's take a look at the results. Damn it!
1: Ah, what a glorious moment, Tendo. I mean, didn't it, it, you're it, never it, a chance. It got further out than I thought. Like it was, we were. Hitting, it kept like, going. I was pretty shocked. It was sitting around 52 to me and 48 to Hendo, but I just kept, as time went on, people were realising the truth. Yeah, 58%.
0: <laughs> you don't talk it up like it's a 90% victory here.
1: Yep, that's good.
0: <laughs> Not very good, mate. You, are, you did win with a very, very good list of films. So, you have a movie to pick for me. What am I getting?
1: All right, I'm going to give you a Marvel film, Hendo. It's Hulk, isn't it? It's Hulk.
0: Okay, that's all right. Is it? Yeah. So, you're going to say fucking Howard the Duck or something?
1: Howard the Duck? No, God, no.
0: Cool. Yeah, Hulk. We'll see how we go with that. Do you like the Hulk? Do you like Hulk?
1: The character? The movie. I mean, I saw it once when it came out and never watched it again. From memory, it's pretty long. Oh. It's Ang Lee, so it's very artsy.
0: All right, I'll see how I go with that one. Some
1: artsy Hulk film. <laughs> wow. There's this is tournament. Let the tournament
0: begin! All right, Dean, it's time to find out the next matches in our best 2000s film tournament. Now we're in the second half of the final 32. Let's see who's stacking up against each other. First match here is Lord of the Rings Return of the King against There Will Be Blood. Ooh. Next up, we have In the Mood for Love up against Requiem for a Dream. This one, The Pianist against A Beautiful Mind. Two breakdowns we've Mm. done. Speaking of which, Ooh, the, prestige, Nolan, Nolan battle. the
1: Prestige up against Batman
0: begins. Interesting. I'm curious to see how that one shapes out. What about this one? Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring against Kill Bill Volume 1.
1: I honestly don't know who would win that. Next up, Old Boy takes on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind.
0: Even there, I'm not too sure what, what the result will be there. What about Spirited Away against Pan's Labyrinth? These wow. are some good
1: matches. Jeez. And lastly here, Memento up against
0: Up. Makes sense. All right, those will be the next matches. We'll put that out. You guys can vote on it. We'll see who gets into the round of 16. So, what's next? All right, usually is this is the point where we pick the next movie we're going to be watching. But in the next fortnight, it's going to be our two-year anniversary of the podcast. Two years, my God. Has that gone quick?
1: Has. Doesn't feel like two years.
0: No, we've been in, what, three different studios? Four if you count the closet.
1: I count the closet. Coming out of the closet was one of the best things we ever did together, Endo. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I, yeah. I think uh, it's been great. How many weeks have we- like, You sound like we're finishing. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, good and see you later. Thanks, the, thanks, everyone. When was the last time we skipped a week? Uh, I think it
0: was when we did Toy Story when I had my uh, one of my back teeth removed.
1: No excuse. So, it's your fault we missed the last week. Yeah, always is. Right.
0: But- In this case, because it's our two-year anniversary, we're doing a bit of reminiscing. We're going to be going back and looking at our our ranked films, our first 50 films we've done a breakdown on. We'll go through them from 50 to 1, just have a little bit of reminiscing.
1: Yeah, a bit of discussion. We're also going to throw in some... uh memorable clips yeah, from old episodes clips. and have a bit of fun with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, obviously next week we have our PodvPod V Pod 31 and our guest for the episode is going to be Stephen Mark from the Movie Drone Podcast. Mm,
1: our first British guest, Hendo.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that's going to make it uh, harder or easier. Who knows? Let's uh, lay off the Guy Ritchie films, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but until then, thank you, listeners, for checking out the episode and we will see you next week for PodvPod Pod 31.
1: Bye!